Shalom Mishpocha. Shalom family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. <laughs> We're the Mishpocha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people, where the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, it's finally come down to form one new man. <laughs> and in the Greek, it's one new humanity, the total body of the Messiah. And I'm so excited that the Messiah himself is getting ready to return, and there's going to be an outpouring of his spirit like the world has never seen because of God's mercy on humanity. And that's why I have Randy Clark on the telephone, because Randy, I've, I don't know what the numbers are, but uh, how many people would you say you have prayed for, for impartation or healing over the last decade or so? I, I don't know either. I would say it's, it's um, into the hundreds of thousands. I, I, I think you're being conservative because of what I know about your ministry. Uh, but if anyone knows anything about healing, that's you. And I want to find out a little bit about you. Uh, I understand at age five, your grandmother told you about an amazing physical healing that she had. That's correct, uh, Sid. And that's what actually caused my first interest in healing. I was uh, with her. She was vacuuming, and she she just began to tell me. I was in this bedroom, and, uh, and she's a new, a new Christian. She hadn't been believed in Jesus very long, and uh, she had been a, a pretty wild sinner. And, and uh, she is saved, and... She heard the voice of God speak to her and say, go in the other bedroom and pray, and I'll heal that large goiter that was in her throat. She just obeyed simply. She is illiterate, so she's a simple person. Went into the bedroom, <clears throat> prayed, and it just she said, it felt like a hot hand went down my throat, and it just disappeared. And uh, that is what got me interested in believing, not only interested in healing, but believing in healing. Uh, you know, you're so blessed, Randy. You had a grandmother that at least was getting to know God and had a miracle. Uh, I, I'm thinking about uh, when I was 30 and younger, my big interest was the New Age because I didn't know about the authentic. I only knew the counterfeit. I didn't even have an option. Yeah, I'm glad I've always known about the power of God. You know, at six years old, my mother went to heaven uh, in her spirit and was there. And, and for weeks, she just wanted to, didn't want to stay on earth anymore, and it really scared my dad. So uh, the reality of heaven, the reality of the supernatural realm, the reality of God has always been a part of my family. Okay, but and, and this is hard for me to comprehend because I was talking about myself. When I was 30, I had an encounter with the devil. I had an encounter with God, and I am not even—I can't relate to a backslider uh, because I know what's back there. That's why I can't relate to a backslider. But at 16, you had a tragedy. Your grandfather dies of cancer, and your big question is, why? And that opened the door, and you backslid for a couple of years. Knowing everything you knew, how did you backslide? Well, actually, I actually for 11 months, and it was at the height of the Vietnam War, and I was 18 years old, and and I got involved with the wrong crowd. I stayed in church three day, three times a week. I still went to services, but I was backslidden, and I was actually I'd become a hypocrite. And then uh, after 11 months of that, I was just miserable, and came back to God, and 
four days after that was almost killed in a car accident was and we ended up being healed well i mean that's that is it, the question that I, I i think you must have posed as you you turned your life back over to god and four days later you had the accident but i have to believe that was one of the most impactful healings in your life that was preparation for everything you're doing today oh, i i know it was and you know, that healing is what kept me, because I went to uh, college and majored and minored and took all my electives and religious studies, and then went to seminary and, and eventually uh, got, got a master's and then got a doctorate. Um, but it was in the bachelor and master's level of studies, and so much of it so liberal. It was my healing that kept me from losing my faith. And, and you know, and with me, it was that major encounter I had with God uh, that that would have been enough for the rest of my life. But let's, I want to take you back to that. You rededicate your life. Four days later, you're in a horrific uh, car accident. Uh, your best friend dies. What, 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 you end up in the hospital. What, what were the injuries? Uh, I had uh, 15% compression of the vertebras and disc in this thoracic area. And I had uh, m- most of the, my vertebras were fractured. Uh, my face had uh, the forehead look, felt like a washboard. There were so many cracks in it. I had three places the size of a quarter in my hairline that was crushed. The, my cheekbone was crushed. My jaw was fractured. And my intestines were paralyzed. And I had um, uh, so much pain uh, from the spinal injury. I was on 50 milligram of Demerol, a morphine derivative, every three hours. And then people began to pray. And one thing after another, what, you got healed. But the thing that got me that I had to ask you about is the doctors warned you that if you got out of bed and or even moved, just, just sat up on your own, you could be paralyzed the rest of your life. Is that true? That's true. They, they, I couldn't even have a pillow. And for... Uh, the first 15 days, I got healed of the back was the last thing to get healed, the the the, the pain. The jaw set itself. The pra- wait, 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 wait a second. How, how does the jaw set itself? I don't know. But, <laughs> and he, I had three specialists, and one of them came in to set my jaw. And he said, put your teeth together. I did, and he asked me that several times. I did it, and he said, I don't understand it. I came here to set your jaw. It needs to be set, but it already is. And then after that, the paralysis stopped. Uh, um, I was going to have to go to another hospital, uh, a bigger hospital, and my church prayed for me. And the next uh, morning when they checked me, the paralysis was gone, and they took the tube out that was uh, uh, feeding me and and the tube that was pumping my stomach as well. And, uh, And then it was the pain that left, and that's when I heard the not audible, but the strong internal voice of the Lord that said, uh, I've healed you, get out of bed and walk. And that's when I knew I was really a risk because I had been told I wasn't even to lift my head up, uh, couldn't have a pillow, as I said, and if I needed to move, I had three nurses to come in and hold me at my knees, hips, and shoulders to make sure I didn't move my spine. Because they said if I did, I, I, could, I could become paraplegic or have charley horses the rest of my life. Uh, now, it seems to me that the first few healings you received while in the hospital gave you the faith 
to, to, and, and, and that was a major, to me, that was a major decision for you to go against doctor's advice and be a, a paraplegic the rest of your life. Uh, did you count the cost or was it just you did it? <laughs> I, you know, I don't advise people to do that, but I just felt so strongly that it was God that I did it. Now, I bet you did it very slowly. <laughs> I did. Uh, and uh, was there a point uh, where you thought, oh, my God, it's not working? No. No, I, I didn't have any pain. And, um, it, you know, I, I wanted to get out of the hospital right then. It was 15 days. And I was told I'd been there 49 to 77 days. My parents were told that. And this is the 15th day when I was complete, when the last part of the healing came. And I wanted to go home, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't release me until they could get a brace. And when I was around my mother, I wore the brace, but when I got away from her, I took it off. Because I knew I'd been healed. Now, did you ever go back to the doctors and show them what God had done? No, but a, a, a revival broke out within one week at my church, and then I ended up within a month of that being called in the ministry. And in my little church of 125 people, there we ended up with 250 conversions, and most of them were teenagers and people in their early 20s just coming back from Vietnam. When people say revival, uh, tell me exactly what you mean by that. What was going on, actually? It's an unusual outpouring of the presence of God that makes you aware that you need Him as, the, as your Savior. It's a, like one guy came in, he was Presbyterian, he'd been in church, Sunday school all of his life, you know, and even in, except for when he was in Vietnam, and he'd been a medic and he was really messed up bad now. And uh, he was going to, he was sat, never been in a service like this revival meeting, and he was sitting there thinking, I'm going to get up and tell him how good I am, how I haven't missed any church in so many years. And when he got up, what he said was this, my name is, and he gave his name, and I'm a sinner. And I'm glad I'm here. And then went to the altar and got on his knees and got was saved. And uh, people came in, the biggest push in our county came in and ended up uh, getting delivered from drugs and saved instantly and both saved and delivered and became a pre- preacher. And uh, people would come in stoned and we'd go straight. And uh, it was just this presence of God that you could tangibly feel. And uh, my, uh, my youth pastor, uh, he had a stroke and he's 30 years old or 33, I think. And I, well, that was my third thing. I asked the Lord for three things to know if I was really called to preach. And the last one was that he'd be able to play the piano again after he was had a stroke and couldn't move his hand. And um, and I said he has to do it tomorrow night without pain. And if you do that, that's the third sign, like Gideon asking for signs. Right. I, I did the same thing. And uh, when he played the piano, I asked him, why did you do that? He said, well, I had a word. I was sitting there, I couldn't even move my hand, and this strong impression came that said, if you'll go try to play the piano, I'll heal you. And he said, the moment my hands hit the keys, I was healed. And so that's when I stood up and said, I know God called me to preach. Randy, our time is slipping away, uh, but we put together the best materials you have. For instance, uh, this manual, uh, Ministry Team Training Manual. Uh, Tell me what thousands of pastors that have gone through this manual say about it? Well, I have several pastors that oversee churches of thirty to 100,000 members and oversee some of them thousands of pastors. They've told me this is the best training manual that they've ever seen. We now have it in over 14 languages. And uh, the last 42 pages deals with 
uh, deliverance and the rest of the it's about 150 or 80 pages forgotten now and the rest of it deals with healing it deals with how to get words of knowledge and how to and, and, and speaking about how to get words of knowledge we have these four DVDs and your book the essential guide to healing i mean if you had had all this information when you just started what difference would it have made I think I would have entered into things that it took me 20 years to enter into. I could have entered into them within a year. Okay. I don't want you to take 20 years. Do you know why? You may not have it. Jesus may return before then. But I want you to get this package from Randy Clark. We're making it available for a gift of $59. This is uh, one of the best-received teachings you can get on how to heal the sick, how to move in deliverance. Uh, I didn't even go into all the detail. It's a special reference guide. Uh, It's a quick reference that you keep writing your Bible on. It's a how-to course. We're making it available for a gift of $59. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. Randy, you graduate from Bible school, Baptist Bible school, and obviously you become a senior pastor of a Baptist church, uh, open to things of the Spirit, but not, but more an evangelical Baptist church. Uh, And one day, God starts speaking to you. What did he say? Said he wanted me to teach in this church that I still heal today, that God still heals today, to have a conference in the church on healing and to preach differently, more of his words and less of mine, no more three points in a poem. That's such an important statement God made to you. He honors his word, not ours. Not the great, not not talks about politics, not talks uh, uh, about any of these other issues. It's his words where the power is. Okay, and what and what else did he tell you? Well, that that was one without having the conference, and uh, when I when I immediately tried to get a hold of somebody to come and do a conference for me, I ended up. Uh, God providentially actually introduced me to John Wimber by uh, television, and uh, I called him, and he said he couldn't come, but he could send a team to my to my church. When when the, and the following March they came, and I'd gone to see John in January in Dallas, Texas, and was touched myself. Now, by the way, I understand that John didn't even tell you this, but he received a prophetic word for you uh, when he was praying for you. What what was John Wimber's word for you? Yeah. Uh, the first two times John met me, uh, he heard the audible voice of God, which was very rare for John, uh, that said that I would be one of two guys that he was going to send around the world, and we would be used powerfully to uh, pray for people who would be activated in the gifts of the Spirit or filled or baptized in the Spirit. And uh, I was one, and the other guy was Blaine Cook. Okay, so this team comes to your nice evangelical Baptist church, um, and uh, was Blaine uh, in that team? He was leading it. Ah, okay. What happened? Well, all heaven broke loose, to be honest. Uh, It was amazing. I saw more people healed in three days than I'd seen my whole life. Uh, I had people who were coal miners, school teachers, janitors, uh, engineers, 
who had never heard of any of these things uh, like words of knowledge and uh, prophecy and they begin to have very clear and very precise words of knowledge we begin to see people get healed the first healing uh, the first major healing was a little girl who was um, needed her eyes uh, surgery on her eyes and she got healed and then she was healed with spinal bifida and hydrocephalic the next night and uh, um, and, and the my wife was majorly touched in uh, an emotional way, and it was just an amazing thing. It, that was the thing that changed my life. My life really is before and after that event, that those three days. And and you really had impartation from John Wimber and impartation uh, from uh, Blaine uh, Cook. Tell me what you did about this after the revival, after the team leaves. What happened? Well— First of all, let's just let me share a little bit of what I meant when I said it, that I had this impartation. I felt electricity, so much electricity going through my body that all my joints ached the next day, uh, like I'd walked into an electric fence on a farm. And um, as a result of it, though, I, I just began to give away everything I'd received and began to do little conferences on healing all over that part of the state. I uh, would take te- people from my te- my church with me, and we would tell people what we were learning. And st- we just immediately started giving away uh, and teaching what we'd received and teaching on healing and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And just, uh, and, I mean, immediately started doing that. I always told somebody that they should have locked this one guy. He's an engineer. J- name was John. They should have locked John and I away for about two or three weeks because— we just got in our cars and would actually drive through small towns in Southern Illinois looking for somebody on a crutch or, you know, <laughs> uh, to, somebody to pray for. We were so excited to learn about this present-day ministry of healing. Now, I, I, I want to uh, speed forward. And now, how have things changed? You, you obviously had the paradigm of John Wimber of how to pray for the sick, mm-hmm. but— how does it differ today for you? Well, um, there was this constant, continual for a decade of praying for the sick and seeing a lot more happen than we'd ever seen. You know, I, had, I could put on one hand the first uh, healings I saw the first 14 years of being a pastor. Then after this impartation with Blaine, we saw uh, more happen in a month than we'd seen in 14 years, like on every month. <laughs> And, and then for 10 years, we went at that pace, and then Toronto happened. And in, in the intervening time, I don't want to chase too many rabbits, but I had two other experiences of impartation. Um, one, I thought I was going to die from the power, and the other one it was just peace. And then I went to Toronto, and the revival broke out in Toronto. They went 12 and a half years, six nights a week, and, I, and immediately then began to go all over the world. But in January 1995 in Melbourne, Florida, I had a meeting there and in and Charlotte, North Carolina. In those two weeks, um, three weeks it was, I saw more people get healed than I'd seen the first 25 years of my ministry put together. And I don't know why. It wasn't like it followed a 40-day fast. We'd done that a couple of times. It wasn't like somebody just laid hands on us. It was just, I think that was one of the times that after 25 years of knocking and asking and seeking and not giving up, it finally opened in a, in a bigger way. And, and that's a key, not giving up. How, many pe- how, how easy would it have been for you to just 
settle where you were at and say, well, that's the way it is. Yeah, I think part of it is just believing there's, there's you know, more. That's really the heartbeat of my life, this belief. There is more, and I'm still believing there's more than what I have now. And we're seeing things happen now that we didn't see. In the last four years, we've seen breakthroughs. What, what are you seeing now? Well, I mean, we're seeing uh, people with all types of metal surgeries with metal or other substance put in their body by surgeons and they've caused them to have chronic pain or loss of range of motion. And I did my doctoral study on uh, verifying these healings. And, uh, you know, I had a medical team working with me and the psychiatrist and a former professor at Harvard giving me advice and secular um, religious studies professors at Indiana University, get, you know, speaking into my life. And so we're seeing these things happen, and it's just been quite um, amazing, uh, the kind of healings that, that, that we're seeing. Um, Tell me one specific person that had metal that has uh, that was, would you say it was changed to bone? What would you say happened to them? Well, I don't know. We had 900 in the last four years get healed, and we had over 100 studied in the, in the study itself. Um, some of them, they just couldn't move at all. They couldn't move their wrist. They couldn't move their arm. They couldn't move their shoulder. This was 900 people with metal in their bodies? Yes. Okay. In September the 9th of 2009, September 2009, about over 900 uh, people testified that they were healed uh, at least 80% better. Now, that's significant because in the medical field, if, if you've had a failed surgery, if you can move the on a 1 to 10 point, 10 is excruciating pain and zero is no pain. If you can get the, the scale to move one, that's successful. Two points is very successful. And we had an average of about six points of improvement. And, and for some, it was 100%. But um, that is significant in the medical field because there's very little hope once you've had a failed back surgery. Tell me about the recent meetings you had in Oshawa, Canada. Yeah, we were in Oshawa, Canada, and this one night, uh, actually, we thought the meeting was almost over, and my assistant, Paul, had put up our camera that we used to try to catch the testimonies with, and because it was that e- that late in the evening, and he'd gone out to uh, you know to sell some products, and I had to call him back in, because all of a sudden, a woman who had just turned 19 years old, who was born without ability to smell anything, got her smell, sense of smell. It just came. Hmm. Uh, another woman who came into the meeting on one of those little electrified uh, carts, you know, right. wheelchair that's electrified, um, was sitting back in the back. All of a sudden, she walked out of it. The people knew her. She went to that church, and she's walking down the aisle. The people are going crazy. They're hugging her, and she's weeping, and she's got all this had all these problems in her body. And and then there was another uh, woman, older. Uh, had to walk on two canes, not one cane, but two canes. And the power got hit her. Uh, she threw the canes away and was dancing. It was an, it was an amazing night. <laughs> uh, you know, I have your tools right in front of me, Randy. Uh, your book, The Essential Guide to Healing, uh, you co-authored that with Bill Johnson. Uh, what feedback do you get from people that read this book? Well... That book is actually used at the seminary I got my doctorate in at the master's level now for healing. They think it's the best book that they've read. Um, the, the two last chapters that I wrote, one was on how do you pray for the sick, how do you 
in a dependent way hear from the Lord and see what he's doing and, and bless what he's doing. I explain all that in a very, the most detailed way I ever have anywhere is in that book. And then how to get words of knowledge is in one of the last two chapters as well. And every time I've taught on how to get words of knowledge or taught uh, about how to pray, people have entered into a new level. And I've never had a time where I've taught words of knowledge that people didn't start getting words of knowledge in that service before they left. Uh, Randy, in the last few days, I've had a few questions from people that are open to the Spirit, even Spirit-filled, and they say, you know, I've stopped praying for people, uh, especially non-believers, because when they're not healed, then they're not interested in the Lord. Uh, what would you say to someone like that? Well, that's, that wasn't my experience. You know, first of all, we did have uh, quite a few people get healed. Um, but the fact that we ha- had enough compassion and love to offer to pray for them impressed them, whether or not they were healed. And um, and it's not like you have to close the deal, more or less, every time you talk about Jesus and Messiah. I mean, you could sometimes you sow a seed and somebody else waters and somebody else does the harvest. So I look at it like that. But every time you do something in love and compassion in the name of Jesus, I think it just helps uh, sow a seed or water the seed. And either you'll get to do the harvest or somebody else will. Well, what would you say to someone that says, I believe in healing because it's in the Bible, but uh, I've prayed for a number of people and no one gets healed? Well, I would encourage them to talk to people who are seeing people get healed. I'd have them look at their theology. They may believe it's in the Bible, but do you believe it's normative or rare? And, you know, do you believe it is something that all Christians should be involved in, or only a few? Do you believe that everybody's supposed to pray for the sick as a Christian or, or a believer in Jesus the Messiah, or is it only for the elders? So you can believe it's in the Bible, but have a skewed view of what the Bible actually teaches, which makes you not have much expectation. I'd inter- encourage them to take you know, some courses or read some books, some materials that would really help them understand a good theology of, of, of healing, and uh, not only good theology, but a good uh, a practice of understanding how to flow with the Holy Spirit, how to recognize what the Holy Spirit's doing in the healing. What, why is it, and I meet people all the time that tell me, it's easier to get a non-believer healed than a believer? Why, why would that be? Actually, Sid, I have a whole chapter in, in the Essential Guide to Healing by the title of Why Are There Unbelieving Believers? and believing unbelievers, and uh, meaning in the sense of the supernatural. And the main reason for that is a lot of the Protestant church were taught in by their pastors, and their pastors were taught this in school, Bible schools or seminaries, that healing uh, and uh, tongues and healing and prophecy and miracles had uh, ended with the uh, canonization of the Scripture or with the death of the apostles, which is not... Uh, correct biblically. I talk about that in, in uh, several books I've written. And uh, his, church history doesn't back it up. The Bible doesn't back it up. And our experience today that doesn't back it up. And so one of the reasons then is you have people who've been raised in church taught not to believe, while as people who have never uh, been to synagogue or church, uh, they just believe that, hey, if there is a God, he's big enough to heal. But, but I go to charismatic type meetings. And I say, raise your hand if you need to be physically healed. And like 90% of the people, if not higher, 
raise their hand. They know what God's Word says about healing. What's the, the disconnect? Well, sometimes, I mean, there can be a lot of disconnects. Uh, you know, sometimes it's people know more in their head than they do in their heart. You know, it's kind of an intellectual thing, but not really in their spirit. Uh, sometimes they don't feel worthy of being healed. Uh, sometimes they don't feel like they, um, sometimes they feel like I deserve this, you know. Uh, my lifestyle brought this on me. And, and Or they can have a, a view that I know God can heal, but he, he's not going to heal me. Uh, which is interesting because we've had people actually come to meetings skeptical and get healed. So, uh, you, you know, I think some, there, there's another thing that plays into what you're saying, and that is someone that uh, was raised in a charismatic healing church that prayed for themselves over the years and never got healed. There's almost a, a spirit of unbelief. And I think, I think American Christianity in general is dealing with that. Yes, but it's not as bad as it used to be. I mean, we're seeing a lot more now than we did 10 years ago. So, so what would you recommend someone that's been 15, 20, 30 years in a church and has seen healings, but for themselves, they never get healed? Uh, they're in unbelief. How do they get out of it? Well, I think if they can get into a place where they see others get healed, if they can um, meet people that that is a credible witness to them. I mean, you know, they, this person, I believe, and they can hear their, hear their stories. Uh, and, and, and the other thing is just not becoming offended in their own heart if they're not healed when they think they ought to be. You know, I know people that went six, seven years, they believed in healing, they went for healing, and they weren't healed, but they didn't give up, and then they got healed. Okay. I want, uh, I want to take you. Uh, I, I hear you have amazing ministry in, the, uh, in Brazil. Yes. Tell, tell me, what's, how, how'd that start? How'd that happen? Uh, I got a prophetic word. God was going to use me in six countries more than he did in Brazil, as given in Toronto. And I was getting ready to meet a delegation from Brazil and Korea at the time. And... Uh, I and mean, when I went to Brazil for the first time, there was just this one service when the Spirit of God fell, and a lot of people started getting healed, and that was at a meeting of 1,200 pastors, and that kind of began to just kind of catapult me for the next, um, uh, that was 1999, until until 2014. It just kept growing, and so I've got to go to the more churches in Brazil than almost the United States, and uh, the, some of the largest churches in the in the world. Um, and minister, and we've seen eyes open and, you know, ears open. And as a matter of fact, we just came back from Brazil, and we saw eyes open and ears open there, uh, people healed of metal there, This just in December. Um, and, and usually, Sid, um, half of the healings that take place in our meetings take place when somebody on my team prays, who in Brazil, they, they thought, thought I was lying to them when I told them they're just like you. They come from all walks of life. They're and they're a prophetic sign. That's why I take a team with me as a prophetic sign. It's just not for the God's man of power for the hour type mentality, but this is God's looking for a church of power for the hour. And that's one of the things they had trouble believing me that I was telling them the truth. They thought these were professionally paid, professional healers that travel with me everywhere I went. They couldn't believe that they were just housewives and line workers and 
mechanics and lawyers and doctors just like them. Well, well you know, when healing explodes, the church explodes. Uh, tell me about the church you worked with in Brazil that started with just 300 people. Yeah, that's a, a Baptist church, and uh, Agua Vida's Living Waters Baptist Church in Mauá near Sao Paulo. And when I first went there, it was on the wrong side of the tracks. It had about 300 people or less. And uh, the pastor was a traditional Baptist pastor, but the, he wanted to open it up for healing. And we had so many healings, so many people on his staff was healed. The next time I went there, a few years later, the church had grown to 3,000. Uh, the next time it was 9,000. The next time they, I, I thought something had happened because it wasn't as full as last time. And he's, I, when I interviewed him, it turned out that he had started 23 churches in one year out of his church, and he now had over 30,000 people in the city that went to one of the daughter churches or his church. So, And every time we have gone there, we have seen amazing healings. With uh, uh, One person's foot was a club foot turned over backwards. Turned, uh, a couple of women on the team were praying that foot moved. The boy had actually bought tennis shoes to bring to the meeting because he believed he'd run after it, though he had never been able to run, and he did. We had people who had uh, strokes. Uh, aneurysms, uh, paralyzed on one side, and they got they got their feeling and walked and could hear again for the stroke that caused them to go deaf. But another one had tumor behind the eye and couldn't walk over ten feet without falling out. And um, we just saw, we have seen so many major. But but you know the most impressive thing that you just said to me, Randy, was you have a team of non-professional clergy or evangelists, people from every walk of life. And that's who we're talking to right now. And so we have asked Randy to put together the best of the best material he has to train you, to equip you, because anything his team does, you can do. And the first is his book, the Essential Guide to Healing that he did in conjunction with Bill Johnson. Uh, and the second is his manual that thousands of pastors worldwide have been equipped for ministry. And, and it's called Ministry Team Training Manual and then a quick reference guide on how to minister prayer and deliverance. You keep it right in your Bible. And four of his best training DVDs. I mean, these are, these are DVDs uh, that before his team can go out, they have to go through these courses and these DVDs. We're making this entire package available for a gift of $59. Uh, Randy, tell me about one person that read your books and what happened to them. Yeah, he was a Nazarene evangelist. A friend of mine who was in my uh, doctoral group at the seminary was Nazarene and gave him my book. And he, he read it. And uh, when he did, he all of a sudden had greater expectation, greater faith, and a stronger anointing came on him. And that was like four years ago, and he's read it five times now. And he has seen 140,000 people in his meetings be filled with the Spirit and 14,000 people get healed. And an amazing thing, he told me, he said, I'm seeing things in the Nazarene denomination we haven't seen in 100 years. And the faith for it came when I read one of my books. I would like to know, Randy, how this all got started with you as far as operating in words of knowledge? I said I was uh, in my office, and I was telling the Lord in prayer that I'm glad that I'm not a, a person that believes that you used to do these stuff, but you quit. 
Uh, you used to do miracles, but you quit. I'm glad I'm not a, a, a cessationist. I'm glad I'm not a liberal. I, I believe that the Bible's true, that you did miracles, and you do miracles. And I was expecting God to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But instead, I heard in my heart, so what? I sat up in my desk, and in my chair, and said, God, what do you mean, so what? And the thought came, you might as well be a liberal or a cessationist to say you believe these things are for today, but you don't know how to move in them. That was a big point of turning in my life, and I began to seek God and go to conferences and read everything I could to, to learn about how to, how to actually move in the gifts I believed were for today, but I didn't know how to move in them. As a result, I got a telephone. I called a guy from the vineyard, and he told me on the phone five ways you can get a word of knowledge. And within three days of having that teaching, which was only like five minutes on the phone, within five days, I began to get words of knowledge. Okay. Um, give me a five-minute teaching on words of knowledge right now. Okay. Uh, you can receive a word of knowledge by having a thought that's usually not your thought about a condition, uh, a need, a name. Um, it can be a number. Recently I heard the number seven, so I said in a service, I don't know what it means, but it's got something to do with your problem. People got healed who had happened on, they were born on the seventh. They got healed and they were hurt on the seventh. They had seven things wrong with them. They had the seventh, you know, a lot of things like that. So it's an impression. You can So you can think them. You can feel them. It's a pain that's not your pain. Um, you feel what it's like in somebody else's body. That's the 90% of the words I get are that way. Um, you, can, you can see them. It's like a, a mental picture of, of how somebody got hurt or what area of the body was hurt. It can be an open vision where you see it. Uh, so you can feel them. You can think them. You can see them. You can read them. I've never had this, but I have people all the time that do. They actually see a word on somebody. And then you can say them as you're praying for somebody or talking to them. You hear yourself say something you didn't plan to say. And it's the key to unlock uh, their soul up to be healed. Then I learned um, recently, about four or five years ago, while I was in Africa with Heidi Baker, that you can dream them. And once I heard that, within two weeks I had a dream. Uh, what I saw was a hand that had uh, like four inches, a sliver stuck into it, sticking out two inches past the palm. I gave the word. A guy came. His hand was paralyzed. It, the sliver had cut his nerves and his tendons in two, and it was paralyzed open. He, he knew it was for him, and he was instantly healed. So you can feel them, think them, see them, say them, read them, dream them, or it can be an odd experience that the Lord quickens its meaning to you. So there are seven ways you can have words of knowledge. Now, now just out of curiosity, um, what if you have a major word you're talking about and no one raises their hand. What effect would it have on you now? Well, if if I was, I mean, if it's a major word, I would know somebody's got it and they don't understand, or they're afraid to raise their hand. You have more faith in your word than in them raising their hand. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes, at this point, because I've been doing this for since 1984. But look how someone could get faked out, because I have people that come up to me uh, two weeks later. And they say, uh, you know, when you had that word, I was healed, but I didn't want to come up. Yes. What do you do when somebody doesn't respond when word's given? How do you pastor that? And I try to talk about it because we have a lot of people when I was pastoring in St. Louis that would come up to me after the service was over. They would not acknowledge they had that at the moment because they were from a different tradition. They weren't used to this. They were embarrassed or they, were, they thought it was weird. 
But then after the service over, they'd come up and admit it and say, is that person still available? Could, could I get prayed for now? <laughs> so it does happen that way. Now, when you teach, you then let people uh, come forward with words of knowledge. Explain how that works. Well, when I teach this, I basically say, God has told me this is what I'm to do. This is a call on my life. So after, And I've been doing this since 1984, and every time I've done it, God has given people the gift of word of knowledge then, in the next two minutes, or while I'm teaching it, or over the next few weeks, you'll, you'll, you'll recognize it and know what it is now that you wouldn't have before. So I, I just have enough faith to know it's going to happen. And so I, I say, uh, I pray and I wait two minutes, and then I say, okay, all of you who think you just got a word of knowledge, if you wait till you're certain, you'll miss 90% of them. But if you think you may have had a word of knowledge, come on up. This is a time to, to learn. You'll learn if you were right or not. And usually 90% of the time they're right. And uh, so, and that's been happening every, every time that I've taught this, ever since 84. Uh, you know, I feel such uh, a sweet presence of the Holy Spirit right now, Randy. I believe that you have taught for a little bit. And if you would pray a prayer of impartation for people to have activated the gifts of the Spirit in their life. Oh, I'd love to do that. And I do want to say I believe that when I pray this, that God is going to start giving people gifts, of gifts and they, but the only way they'll learn is they'll have to, you know, go for it, risk it. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you that Jesus died that the Spirit could be poured out according to the Old Testament prophets upon all flesh. We thank you that our sons and daughters would have dreams and visions, and the old men would prophesy. And we thank you, God, that the Spirit's been poured out. So in Jesus' name, I pray for the activation of words of knowledge, that people who heard what we just taught, they would begin to recognize that it's not tuition, it's not a weird pain, it's you are showing them something you want to do for somebody. And so, Father, I bless the people that are listening. I speak faith to them. I pray for this release of the Holy Spirit and activation of words of knowledge. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I want you to talk to people that just received that impartation, again, what they can look for, for words of knowledge, uh, the various different ways it occurs. Now, the most two common ways that it occurs is people feel begin to feel pain that's not their pain. The second most common way is they begin to have impressions of a condition maybe while they're in church or at work uh, or when they're with somebody, and it, it's just that impression that comes of a need of a physical problem. Uh, and then probably the third most, most common way is they... Uh, basically see like a daydream of how somebody got hurt or, or uh, an organ or a part of a body. Those are the most common ways, though, um, you know, sometimes you actually um, see a word on somebody uh, or you can dream how somebody got hurt. Now, you told me when you went to Africa, that's when you understood God really wants to talk to us through our dreams. You began uh, believing this, and then it started happening. Tell me one dream and the result. Well, I, I just mentioned one. I, I saw the guy's hand that had this liver in it, both hands actually, and then I saw no body, no arms, just the hands in this dream. I woke up uh, that day. I gave that in the service. 
I wasn't sure it was God because it was the first time I'd ever had that. And a guy was, he came up, and I, before I could pray in the name of Jesus, he was already healed. Now, see, most people, if they had a dream like that, would have done nothing with it. And if I had not had that teaching from this guy I interviewed and raised the dead, several people from the dead actually in Mozambique, I would not have known myself, and I would have discounted it. And that's the whole thing. Part of learning to flow and move in the Holy Spirit's gifts is understanding the ways of God and how these gifts manifest so that when they do happen, God gets the glory instead of us missing what he's saying to us. I want to get Randy's teaching in your hands so that you can start being activated. Now, the reason to be activated is because this is God's plan A for evangelism. And plan B is so far removed, but the church works on apologetics rather than demonstrating the kingdom. And the reason they do that is they don't know how. Faith comes from hearing. So I want you to get a hold of his book, The Essential Guide to Healing, his manual, uh, that teaches step by step on how to pray, how how to pray for the sick, deliverance, every aspect of it. Thousands of pastors have taken this material and started running with it. Uh, and then four of his best training DVDs on teaching on all. And as a matter of fact, Randy tells me when people go through this, uh, when they go on ministry trips with him, he requires them to listen to his teaching DVDs. Uh, and I believe that it's time for you to be activated. Uh, Randy, uh, very briefly, God uses you in very dramatic prophecy. I, I was looking at a few of the people that you've prayed for. Uh, uh, for instance, I've interviewed this fellow, uh, Leif Hetland. Uh, tell me quickly what happened to Leif. Well, the, the prophetic word was God was going to use him powerfully, make him a bulldozer, and he'd make a way where there's been no way, and it'd be in a dark place, and he would be light. Anyway, more than that, but the power came on him, knocked him to the floor, and he shook for two and a half hours. And uh, he's led a million people in Pakistan alone to the Lord since then through healing, miracle crusades. They're not crusades. He calls them, um, I forgot what he called them. Of course, he doesn't call them crusades in, there, in the Muslim world. Right. But, but anyway, he has had um, a million in Pakistan come to, come to the Lord, and uh, many more, I mean, lots of other people in other countries. And the same thing with Heidi Baker, built over about a million people in her ministry since the prophecy came for her. Uh, another guy, uh, Henry Madava, Ukraine, had a, a million people in his ministries come to the Lord since we had a prophetic word for their church. And there's been several people like that. Tell me about a great miracle that you have witnessed with your eyes from someone that uh, just read your material or went with you on one of your trips. I said I had a young man in his 30s who was in Brazil with me, and he'd never prayed for anybody in his life. That's why he came on the trip. He wanted this to be uh, an opportunity to be uh, released and equipped. So it's his first night, his first prayer he's ever prayed for someone to be healed. And he prayed, God, bring me an easy one, a headache or a bellyache. You know, it's my first time. <laughs> and a guy rolled up to him, 25 years old, paraplegic. And during the interview, the guy interviewed him and found out he is a police officer, been shot through the stomach, and the bullet had severed his spine, and he was paraplegic. He said, I had so little faith for that, but as I prayed, 
and I interviewed him according to the way we pray. After you pray for all, stop an interview and see what God's doing, and nothing was happening. He said, I'd had no faith left at all. I, but I remembered you said, Randy, you know, Randy said that I don't expect you to heal anybody, but I do expect you to love them. And he said, I felt like if I quit praying after this short time, this man would not feel loved or valued. So he continues to pray, and he's about to fall asleep because he'd been up for two days straight, the guy praying. And all of a sudden, the guy jumps out of the wheelchair, turns around, grabs him, soaks his shoulder in the front of his shirt with tears, and walks off. That was one of the greatest healings I've ever seen. Uh, you know, most of the greatest healings I've ever seen were, were like that, including the woman who prayed for a guy who was blind with nothing but white scar tissue for eyes from a muriatic acid spill, 50 years blind. She prayed for five hours, and nothing happened. And three days later, after she'd gone home, he woke up with brand new eyes. And the pastor called me. I was a 1,000 kilometers away and told me about this greatest miracle that happened in their city. Do you have any sense by the Holy Spirit uh, whether uh, we're about ready to see a major outpouring of the gifts of the Spirit in physical healings? I do. I think the, I think this next great time of outpouring or revival is going to really involve a lot of supernatural uh, healing and uh, miracles because that's the mercy of God revealed, and uh, that's the way Jesus uh, revealed it according to Isaiah sixty-one one uh, that the Messiah, when he came, that he there would be these miracles, and he, of course he identified with that passage and from Isaiah sixty-one and thirty-five and. Uh, I believe that that is what's going to happen uh, as we get closer to a second coming. But even though there's going to be, let's call it this grace and this gifting that's going to come on us, if people are not trained, they will not be as effective even with a gift from God. Uh, Because I I, I know for myself, uh, it took me years because I didn't have a mentor in the supernatural took me years that were wasted years if if I had had someone that what you know come right alongside of me. And the truth is, you can't come right alongside uh, Randy, perhaps, but you can have Randy come right alongside you with his materials, his essential guide to healing, uh, his manual on healing and deliverance. Thousands of pastors have been equipped. And with the anointing that's coming on planet Earth, when you get this equipping, you will speed your walk in the Lord as far as gifting and what to do with the gifts 20 years. And you better do it because I believe Jesus is coming back soon. Why? He told me that in a dream. Randy, you told me some words of knowledge were starting to come upon you on the Thursday broadcast. What is God showing you? Well, I believe there's someone he's going to heal that has something wrong with uh, the right side. And I don't know if it's a rib area or it's something in, a, in an organ be underneath the rib cage on the right side. And also some a woman by the name of Margaret has something uh, wrong with her. Uh, I think she, I actually think that Margaret's got some issues dealing with cancer, that God's going to heal her. We've seen a, a lot of people get healed of cancer who are in the terminal fourth stage cancer. And the power of God would come, and they actually would begin to sweat and feel this this power going through their body. And uh, one of them with so much power, a young woman, 28, with terminal cancer, that she began to just shake 
uh, and I, I, so I believe that there's this uh, cancer's being healed, and a, a, a woman named Margaret, and also the thing on the right side. And then I think there's someone that's got something wrong with the tailbone area, and uh, uh, it's, it's something's not in place there. And there's another person having problems uh, in the groin on the left side, and a woman that's 32 that has fibromyalgia, uh, that God's wanting to come on you right now, and a guy named John. And, and uh, John, you have something wrong with your skin. We've seen a guy, uh, two guys down in Brazil get healed of a severe, um, uh, you get these white spots. I, my mind went blank just then. But that's Psoriasis? Psoriasis, yes. It's a, it's a genetic thing. So we speak to the genetic DNA code and command it to change and for your skin to be come in line with uh, God's pattern and that this, uh, this uh, break in the uh, genetic code would be rewritten according to the purposes of God. And God, we command the, the cancer to die. We bless Margaret. We speak to that tailbone to go in place and for the pain in that right side uh, to leave in the name of Jesus, in that rib area, in Jesus' name, and for the ankle on the left foot, on the outside of that left ankle, in Jesus' name. And I, and I also believe there's people that's listening. You have something wrong. You have chronic pain or you have um, uh, loss of range of motion due to an accident, or and then you had surgery, and they had to put metal or Teflon or something else in to replace it. And God right now is coming on your body, and there's a healing flowing into your body. And I want to ask you to try to do right now, just do what you can't do. That makes sense to me because I've seen so many people try to do what they could not do and found out that the impossible was now possible because of God's touch. So, Lord, we pray and bless them in Jesus' name and pray for others that's listening, that I don't even have to have the condition, but I want to tell you what's happening. Right now, you're feeling heat come on your body. And you're feeling the presence of God come on your body. Just soak that in. Thank God for it. In Jesus' name, we bless that anointing and command the pain to leave and healing to manifest for the mercy of God to be revealed and the glory of God to be revealed and for the honor of the name of Jesus and the Father to come. In Jesus' name. Uh, you know, Randy, I believe that when people get your material and get equipped, uh, that, that the prayer of impartation after the teaching, it means so much. Uh, your book, The Essential Guide to Healing, what's the feedback you're getting on this book? People that have listened to it, my professor at the seminary, he uses it now in his class, requires it. Uh, uh, and so it, it, we're seeing a lot of good response from it. Uh, lots of people have told us when I read this, this is the clearest teaching I ever got that made the supernatural more natural and easier to understand. And then uh, tell me the, the, how many people that you know of approximately uh, that have gone through your manual well, I don't know exactly how many people have gone through it because uh, I know one church of 30,000 requires all their new members to go through it. We've had uh, over 30,000 of those manuals sold several years ago. So church leaders all over the world are reading this manual, and it's a manual to equip you on how to move in deliverance and healing and understand hands-on everything. Uh, what's the feedback they're giving you on these manuals? Well, some of the uh, apostolic leaders overseas, thousands of, or to, hundreds to thousands of churches have told me it's the best manual that they have ever seen. And then, of course, we have your uh, quick reference guide. Uh, 
and the four and the reference guide goes right into your Bible, so people know exactly how to pray, how to pray for the sick, how to pray for deliverance. Uh, it, it it's all there. What feedback do you get on that? Well, we can't keep those in stock. They just fly. And one Baptist pastor, he went home after been to one of our having gone to one of our schools of healing and impartation, and um, uh, he had never seen anybody. Uh, manifest demons, and the first Sunday back, someone manifested, fell out on the floor of his Baptist church. He didn't know what to do, but he remembered he had that card. He went and got it and and walked down that card and ministered to her, and she got free. You know, I believe that people that get the kit, the four DVDs, the book, the manual, this card— uh, they're going to be able to so quickly do what you've been doing. That took uh, how many years have you been in the healing ministry? Well, I've been praying for the six since I got called to preach at seventy. But I began really praying regularly, like nineteen eighty-four. Look at how you're going to speed this all up from the package for fifty-nine dollars. The Lord, He's already blessed you. The Lord, He's already smiled upon you. The Lord, he's already healed you. The Lord, he's already gifted you. The Lord, he's already surrounded you with his favor. The Lord has already given you his shalom, his completeness in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. In the name that is above every problem, Yeshua HaMashiach Tzikinu, Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.